Hello and welcome in to another episode of the CG Business Advisor, brought to you by CG Tax Audit and Advisory. I want to thank all of you once again for tuning in to our episodes available on the 1st and 15th of every month. And if you haven't done so already, make sure that you follow the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. And as always, you can head to cgteam.com for more information about all the great services provided by CG Tax Audit and Advisory. Today, we're going to be talking about choosing the right banker for you and your business. We'll be joined by Jacqueline Schinnerer. After 20 years in commercial banking, Jackie started Commercial Capital Solutions. She was a senior vice president specializing in business development, credit structuring, relationship management, and leadership. She comes from a family of entrepreneurs and has had a passion for helping businesses succeed, grow, and plan for what's next. With the current market challenges and opportunities, real estate investors and businesses will need guidance more than ever. Jackie and Commercial Capital Solutions are efficient, effective, have a robust network, and know how to navigate the ever-changing landscape of accessing capital. Jackie, thanks so much for joining us here on the CG Business Advisor. Jackie, let's talk banking. Uh, if you're a company, you're entering the lending or your financing process. Why is it so important to find the right banker and the right bank? Um, so important, right? And it's such a great question. Um, and in my view, it's really everything. So what I've seen in my 20 years, and I've worked on a lot of different deals for a lot of different companies, is that the wrong bank or advice or banker, um, or let's just say the one that's not best suited for the business owner's needs, can cost the business owner a lot of time, money, unnecessary burdens, higher borrowing cost, restrictive borrowing, missed opportunities, and just overall requirements, it's just not in their best interest. Um, you know, most of my history has been with a bank. And so when I went off on my own, I was really excited to explore this world of not only understanding what all these different banks provide, but also all these different alternatives and private credit and asset-based lenders. And, and what I found is that there's, there's over 25,000 banks, credit unions, and non-bank lenders in the United States, which is so overwhelming. And it's overwhelming for me. And I've done this for tw over 20 years. So, and then now you have to add this whole dynamic of fintechs. So I can only imagine how hard it is for a business owner to navigate all of this. You know, how, who do you know who to trust? How do you exit? How do they execute? You know, are they offering the best terms and structure and rate in the market? What do you know what's going on with the organization, right? And there's a lot of organizations and banks that are going through massive changes right now. And, you know, I think most importantly is like, how do you know somebody's going to support your needs today and tomorrow? And, you know, I get it. And that's why I started my company. So, you know, the way that I look at it is that we're an industry insider. We know what's going on. We give straightforward advice and we take a multitude of factors into consideration so clients can make a decision in their best interest. So, you know, it's just really difficult to go alone in this process. And business owners have, you know, quite frankly, way too much to worry about right now. And, 
you know, I'd like to also mention, you know, the the overall process of finding the right bank and banker. And it really starts with, um, does a business fit conventional bank standards? Banks are notoriously conservative and some are more flexible than others. You know, banks will evaluate the use of capital, their industry, historical financials, cash flow, collateral, customers, suppliers, owners, existing debt. It's all very intensely scrutinized. And then now you have to factor in the PPP and EIDL loans. In addition, you've got COVID, supply chain issues, labor shortages, inflation, rising interest rates. And it's just added another layer of complexity and analysis to underwriting. And if any of these are not in alignment with a specific bank's credit policy, typically either that client is declined after months of back and forth or what I see more often than not is they're just talking to the wrong bank and banker. Um, some of the other industry considerations that I see is that so many banks have non-performing assets or bad loans on the books because of COVID complications. And that may prevent them from doing any lending business at all unless it's for a high-performing existing customer or a new customer that fits perfectly within their box. And then if you don't fit within a bank guidelines, there are thousands of asset-based lenders, factors, purchase order finance, invoice finance, project finance, family offices, private debt placement, direct lenders, bridge, mezzanine, unsecured, hard money. All of them have different costs, structures, and underwriting criteria. And so really the search to find the right bank and banker is exhausting at best. Hmm. So that's why it's just so important to find the right people or have an expert guide you within that process. So you mentioned just the multitude of options that are out there. So uh, when you're shopping, because really that's what you're doing, when you're shopping around, uh, what kind of skills should you look for when you're deciding your partner? Yeah, absolutely. I thought it would be valuable to kind of discuss the organizational structure within banks, because I think that can kind of tie in skill sets that I hire for and I personally look for when I place a client. There's retail, there's business banking, there's middle market, and there's corporate. So it's important to know what group you're in and how you fit within the organization. All banks have different guidance on where to go. Um, and where to place you based on revenue, credit, treasury, international. And there's so many gray areas between all of these different groups within the bank. Some are really good at owner-occupied real estate. Some are really good at investor real estate. Some are great at SBA. Some are not. Some are great at equipment. Some are good at working capital and term loans. Some have better technology than others. Um, I also see some banks be really aggressive with clients that have significant deposit relationships that can be leveraged. Some have industry preference. Some stay out of industries altogether. Some just offer credit and don't require banking relationships. And there's a lot of factors and there's a lot of skill sets within each of these levels and especially within each run, each one of these underwriting um, capacities. And so it's going to look different organizationally within within every single institution um, where I see a lot of mix up happening in the market is that larger businesses are serviced in retail or smaller divisions, smaller businesses are serviced within middle market, 
smaller businesses are with larger national banks that may not have a lot of emphasis on supporting them and larger businesses that have outgrown their smaller banks that have complex needs are needing to move up to a larger bank. And with all the things that have happened recently, there's a lot of movement in that area. Um, my opinion of being working on both coasts, being in the industry for 20 years, I really do believe good bankers and lenders are, are out there. And I know a lot of them, but they're also really difficult to find. And as your credit and treasury and banking relationship get, get certainly more sophisticated, more complex, maybe a little bit larger, so should the skill set of the banker. But regardless um, of what division a banker works within, here are a couple of things that I really look for. I want to know that you've been with a bank a long time. There's a lot of bankers that move around every couple of years, and I want to know that I have somebody that has internal credibility. I also want to know that I'm working with somebody that has direct communication and strong reputation with the decision makers that sign off on credit. I also want to know that the bank and banker that I'm working with has a really good reputation within, within the industry. They're proactive, they're responsive, they're organized, they understand the business and the industry, they can articulate your strengths, they know how and if possible to mitigate risk, and most importantly, they know how to move through their internal bank process. You know, there are so many steps coming from like a banker perspective of just how challenging it is and all the steps that are involved in getting a deal done. And so if you don't know how to do that or you're um, not proficient at doing that, there's going to be a lot of bottlenecks that are going to slow down the process for our clients. And so what we do at my company is that we ask a lot of questions. We want to know a client's business inside and out. We want to prepare them for the presentation because, you know, that's really going to impact the success of the client and it's really going to solicit the most competitive offer. You know, we know how to negotiate in a way to achieve the most advantageous outcome for a client. And another thing that I'll mention is I know a lot of really good bankers at at institutions um, that unfortunately, maybe these institutions have an unreasonable credit mindset or they change credit appetite. And even the best bankers won't be able to execute for their clients if they're working under that type of um, you know, credit situation of, of just a bank not wanting to lend. There's a lot going on right now. Um, a lot of business owners I'm seeing are feeling strain in their banking relationship. They're either not being valued, supported. Um, and then in many cases, the PPP with their existing institution um, was mishandled and it's opened up the movement. It's opened up an environment for movement and discussion within the market. Jackie, what kind of questions should you be asking your potential banking partner? Um, so some of the questions that I typically ask uh, my potential my potential bankers that I work with is, you know, what group do they work with within the bank? How long they've been in banking? How long they've worked there? What size of revenue clients do they work with? What's your typical credit terms and limits? How long is the approval process and what are all the steps? Who approves uh, the loan or the line of credit? After reviewing my financial package, what do you think? 
if, if there's no questions um, after this question that you ask your banker, I typically think it's a red flag. Um, it just shows me that they're just taking information and they're going to let somebody else go through that information without being able to advocate on your behalf. Um, are there any concerns that you have? What type of industries do you manage within your portfolio? What is the renewal process like? Who covers you when you're out? Where's your servicing team located? Do I have to move my full banking relationship? Can I see a demo of your technology and online banking platform? What are your banking fees? Based on my activity and technology um, that I need to support my business, what is that going to cost me? There's just, there's so many questions to ask depending on the situation and where, what, where a client fits in. And so, you know, I typically have my network nationally of bankers I go to, bankers that I know and trust. And if I'm presenting a situation for my client, and if I have any indication that there's going to be an issue and somebody can't answer these questions in a way that um, I feel they should be answered or I'm comfortable with, then I typically, you know, will move on to someone else in my network that I think is a, that, that's a better fit for a client. You know, in terms of the information providing a banker, Timing is really critical. Um, I would 100% say that you need to plan in advance. You know, they always say that banks are great at lending money when you don't need it. <laughs> so, you know, have a conversation with an expert before you go out to lenders to ensure your end goal is achievable. You know, I, I do find a lot of people, um, they just don't know what's out there. And I think talking to an expert that can tell them what's available in the market and set the right expectations is incredibly important because, the last thing that you want to do is like go through this whole process and find out that it's really not that much better than what you've got right now, or they can't meet your need. And so I want to do a lot of that work for clients on the onset. Um, but, you know, you need to have all your financial documents ready to go. You want um, a current, you know, within 90 days internally prepared is fine. You want an income statement balance sheet. You want three years of business and personal tax returns or financial statements you want an account receivable, account payable, an inventory aging report. You want a statement of net worth or personal financial statement for the owners, which includes all assets and liabilities. And you know, there's certainly other things that are gonna come up. If it's a business acquisition, an asset purchase, a real estate request, there's gonna be other documentation to consider, but the documentation that I just spoke about should be enough along with understanding your request and what you're trying to accomplish to be able to give you an indication of, you know, is there an interest to do this? What type of rate term and structure and fees, um, how this is going to look overall. And I think that, you know, what's most important is just, you're just organized. And when you send a banker a package, you got to make sure that you understand everything that's in that package. You understand all the financials being on top of your documentation is step one and it builds credibility. You know, I, I, I do see this is that, and it happens a lot. Um, good lenders and bankers typically aren't going to chase you down for documentation, um, especially if it's somebody that's not completing a renewal or they're not an existing client. This is a brand new client. They're just going to move on, right? Because good bankers are so hard to find, you know, they're, they have other clients to work with, right? And so you want to make it really easy for them to not only get your deal done, but offer you really competitive pricing. And so having all of your documentation together, knowing your business inside and out, being upfront with uh, maybe weaknesses that you perceive, because a lender is definitely going to dig into that. And you need to demonstrate that you have a handle on it. Um, 
So, you know, a lot of our clients ask us to get involved in putting everything together. So it's presented in the right way, you know, under our guidance of what the best way to do that. So is your banker your biggest advocate in your entire financing process? Great question. You are your biggest advocate. You know, you advocating for your business and being passionate about your business is most important. I think it's really important if you know that you fit within your bank guidelines before you go to a bank to save yourself a lot of time and effort. Um, I think it's really important to know what's reasonable in terms of lending rates and structure and talk to an expert around that. Um, But, you know, I kind of look at myself as being the biggest advocate for my clients. And because I have relationships with hundreds of different lenders and kind of a pathway to decision makers, you know, I can make that process um, much easier for clients based on like the traditional way that you would go out to find financing. But along with myself, because in many situations, while I do believe that the banker and the banking team that I pull in is going to advocate for my client, you know, sometimes I have to push them, right? Or sometimes I have to say like, hey, what are we doing with this? Or why hasn't this been done? But I would definitely say that your banker and team is an advocate for you. Um, And it takes a village, right? And so it shouldn't just be your banker. You know, I would want to know, like, who's your management team and who else is there to support you? And so, you know, it's not just solely one person that you have advocating for you. You know, you have a whole banking team that's trying to help you, you know, throughout the process. What happens if there's changes in your bank? Like what if your bank merges or or something else happens? There is so much of that going on right now. Um, It's, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. Um, You know, I would say um, there could be some really big cause for concern. You know, banks merge all the time. And typically I see that it creates a significant change for customers So what ends up happening is management teams, maybe bankers that knew you really well and that you had a relationship with and you felt um, was strongly your advocate, um, they could be displaced, they could be um, assigned to a different team, or they could leave because maybe they don't agree with, you know, the new culture or um, the new management team that's going to be in place. And so you've got mixing of internal cultures. They may have loved your industry. Maybe they really liked investor real estate and they don't do that anymore. Um, You know, maybe they're trying to get out of certain business, get into other type of business, which could really leave certain clients. I mean, you hear about it all the time. You know, my, my bank goes in and out of these businesses and you don't even have to merge to see a lot of changes in that. Um, Your servicing team could change how you're, how you're um, treated within the organization could change. You could find yourself working with an entirely different team, one that's completely and totally unfamiliar with you and that there's just not a good fit. Um, but, you know, and in most cases, when like a merger happens, everybody is overwhelmed, right? And it could take years to work through. So, even when you're going to the people that you consider to be your advocates with the, within the bank, a lot of their response might be for a very long time. We just don't know. Um, and, you know, I've witnessed a lot of mergers, um, you know, and I, I've seen some things happen with, with client relationships, but I do believe that's really, it's, that's why it's so important that you have um, 
other bankers or intermediaries like myself or experts that can help you if you get to a point where you're realizing that this bank merger is not in your business and not in your best interest and you need to move on. So you told us a little bit already about what you uh, provide your clients. Uh, So tell us a little bit more about commercial capital solutions, as well as where our listeners can reach out to you. Sure. So uh, commercial capital solutions was started by me after 20 years um, in the industry. And I just got really tired of telling, telling clients that I knew that there was something there. Um, No, we can't help you. No, I don't know. I'm sorry, you're going to have to talk to somebody else. And, you know, I wanted to be able to help clients with a variety of needs, whether they fit within a bank, they fit within an alternative. And so really what we do is we, we advise, we navigate, we secure commercial financing for small to medium-sized businesses and real estate investors. We've pre-qualified hundreds of lenders. We know where to go, what to say, how to position our clients in an accurate and positive light. Um, you know, I just really felt that clients need an independent expert to go through. Um, and that's where we come in. We underwrite the financial package. We discuss how to mitigate risk up front. We interview the client. We present the clients to the right lenders the right way. We negotiate terms. We monitor the process through closing. And in some cases, we do need to pivot and we need to take another route and go some, you know, go a different direction. And, and really, you know, we view our clients as um, being able to also provide to them ongoing financial and advisory services. And if anybody wants to reach me, typically the best way is through email, which is JS, my initials, JS at commercialcapital.solutions. Or you can also find me, uh, Jacqueline, J-A-C-Q-U-E-L-I-N-E, Shinnerer, S-C-H-I-N-N-E-R-E-R on LinkedIn. Great. Thank you so much, Jackie. I appreciate all the information and the insight. And uh, we'll talk to you on our next episode where we're going to get into a topic about the financing process. Terrific. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the CG Business Advisor brought to you by CG Tax Audit and Advisory. For more information, simply head to cgteam.com. For prior episodes and to make sure you don't miss any of our future ones, be sure to subscribe to the CG Business Advisor on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Until next time, this is the CG Business Advisor.